Wexler. <laughs> You're listening to Shaggin' on the Red Carpet, the behind-the-scenes show that brings you an earnest, sometimes brutal look at Hollywood gossip, entertainment news, celebrities, and the reality shows you love and love to hate. Each week, we'll bring you gossip, interviews, updates, and the pitfalls of fame as we see them. Welcome, Shaggin' on the Red Carpet, with your host, Ed Brophy, the guy who loves to let everyone know what's on his mind. Thank you for listening to today's Shaggin' on the Red Carpet, and don't forget to subscribe. Now, let's dish. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Ed. I'm Jamie. And we are happy to have with us tonight Roman Arabia. He's an actor out in Los Angeles, California. He is currently starring on the show The Bridge. But you might have seen him uh, if you watch Chuck. He did an episode of Chuck uh, back when that was on the air on NBC. He's been in How the Garcia Girls Spent Their Summer back in 2005. And he did an episode of a TV show called Dispatch. So there's been a lot of work that he's done. Uh, he's on the up and up. He's he's rising. He's a rising star, and he's here to talk to us tonight about his role on FX's breakout show, The Bridge. Say hi, Roman. Hi, hi. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for joining us. I'm a little stumped here. Hang on a second. Mixer keeps telling me I've lost my internet connection. And the show page, oh, show page shows loading. So hopefully it catches up. All right, so you're on the bridge, which when I met your PR guy, Michael, I had not really tuned into yet. And now I'm hooked. So your character, Jamie, or Jaime, sorry, Jamie, Jaime, pretty close spelling. <laughs> He's very complicated. And not only is he emotionally challenged but he's an emotionally challenged thought piece for viewers his story kind of weaves the innocence and darkness together in a way that leaves me and I'm sure the rest of the audience wrestling to figure out how they feel about Eleanor using him in her dark and savory crime spree so how challenging was the role for you personally uh, you know, it's it's very interesting. Um, you know, when you do TV, especially a, a show like this where they're very tight nip on storyline, um, in the very beginning, I was only given sort of pieces of who he was. So a lot of it, I had to sort of fill in the blanks. Um, and I didn't really know much about who she was and, 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 and such. Um, but as the story started to progress, they started to add the colors and I started to see where they were going with it. It was it was challenging because I've never done a character like this, and it was it's kind of like uh, he's a uh, an innocent guy that was sort of put in a bad situation. He he has a mental disability as well, um, so putting all this into this sort of where he's he's funny and he's care you know he's caring and, and, and he's loyal and, and all these different aspects and making the character work was was took some work. Now. I just, one thing that I don't know it was really clearly said when you were first introduced is his mental challenge is the result of an accident, right? 
Correct. Yes, he was. Uh, he's a day laborer. Um, for anyone who hasn't seen the show, and he gets picked up by um, Eleanor, who is played by Franca Potente, and uh, he got injured during a previous job where a gate fell and uh, hit him on the head. So he's 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 slow. He doesn't really talk much. He's sort of picked on by the guys that he's he, he you know he out there looking for work with. Um, so he's not really thought much highly of. Okay, that's uh, it was done so fast that I that I think I missed it, and I'm sure if I missed it, someone else missed it. Yeah, I tend to talk a little fast sometimes. I'm sorry about that, gentlemen. Roman, I had I had a question for you. Um, growing up in California, um, when did you know that you want to be an actor? Obviously, l- being out there, Torrance isn't that far from. Los Angeles. Some people would even say it's still Los Angeles, and you're surrounded by that. When, at what age did you know you wanted to to act for a living? Um, my earliest memory was going to a movie theater, and I believe it was ET that I was watching. And I was a little kid. My I went there with my mom, um, and that moment where the bikes take off and they start to fly in the air. And I was in such awe that I pointed to my mom and I said, I want to do that. And she sort of laughed. She thought that was cute. She said, you know, bikes don't fly. I said, no, whatever that is, I want to do that. I want to be on that screen. And, uh, you know, usually kids say they want to be all, you know, the darnest things. But year after year, it's just I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with just the storytelling and being able to just basically play pretend. I think that's how it all started. For me, my interest in the entertainment industry, my folks had moved out to Long Beach, which isn't too far from where you were born. And I was a volunteer at Pacific Hospital, and they were filming Flamingo Road with Mark Harmon, and I got to be an extra. And I think oh. that gave me the bug. Oh, nice. So, so were I you s- ever... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Ed. Well, I was just going to say, because we're so close to the U.S.-Mexico border, we have a lot of Hispanics in in our area. What does it mean to you to be on a show that explores kind of that U.S.-Mexico drug feud, you know, the cartel? We hear about it all the time, probably more so than people like Jamie who are on the East Coast, that every time something happens, it makes our local news. So what does it mean to you to be on a show that explores a show in this way? Well, a couple of years ago, I actually have family that lives in El Paso, Texas. And uh, one, on the visit, during the time where they were having a lot of these kidnappings, and I mean, there's still crime that goes on there. But um, as sort of a visit, I went to the visit them, and they took me across the actual bridge that takes you into Juarez. I, uh, I'm telling you, it's a completely different world. I was there for probably about an hour, and I told my mom, uh, I, I just felt so uncomfortable. It seemed like everybody was watching. Like, everyone's scared. Everybody, they know when you're an outsider there. Right. You know, and it really is a completely different world. And it, is, it was during that time where they were having a lot of, uh, a lot of kidnappings and, and such there. So later on, when I heard they were making a show called The Bridge, I was fascinated. I said, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. That's that's a cool idea. Um, and I never thought I would, I would be on it. And then, but you know, look, fate comes and I'm, I'm on the second season. So mm-hmm. 
So how did you actually land the role? Did How did you find out about it, and what was the auditioning process like? Well, my agent sent me a, a notice for an audition. I auditioned with the casting director, um, and she told me, you know, I want you to audition for a different role. So I'm like, okay. So and she's like, I want you to come back tomorrow. Um, but she, they were in Glendale, and she gave me the role, the sides for the next um for the other, next character to read. And I stayed 20 minutes there, and then I went back and read for her. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, she really liked it. It went really well. And I didn't hear anything for like two weeks. And so I felt, well, it's a great show. At least I got to read for her. You know, it's a great opportunity. So I heard back again from the cast director asking me to come in to read for Heinrich. And I... I read, you know, I read Jaime's. I read. I love the character. I read. I read it. And I said, "Wow, I could. I. I really understand who he is. Um, it's just, you know, he's really is a guy just trying to make ends meet." Um, and I talked to her, and there was a cameraman who, at the time, I didn't know was actually the director of the episode, and sort of explained to them how I felt like I connected with him, with the innocence of of him. That he, he's just, he is. I guess for me, coming from Torrance and coming, from, and I grew up in Inglewood, um, I I know these characters very well. I know people just like him, so for me, it was very real. So it was, it was, it was. I was ecstatic when I heard it. I got it. See, I grew up not too far, although we're many years apart. I could be your father, but. <laughs> I grew up in the same type of neighborhood. I mean, I grew up basically around Long Beach Poly, which isn't the best of neighborhoods. So I connected to Jaime because I went to school with kids like Jaime that were a little emotionally or mentally slow. And you could see the not so legitimate kids would take advantage of their slowness and have them out there dealing their drugs or, or, or doing their dirty work because of their lack of age-appropriate mental capacity, I guess I could say. So I connected to Jaime on a personal level because I know people like that. And I have my own brother who was hit by a drunk driver and suffers some delayed mental capacity. Yeah, and personally, I'm a teacher for a living, so... I have I've have been teaching for 15 years, so I've seen lots of kids like Jaime come through my classroom, and there's always that one kid that is like is his nemesis that it treats him the way that that Jaime's been treated on the TV show, uh, and so that's how I connected with, with character. He, he reminds me much of like many of the the students I've taught that are a little bit slower or have um, sort of special needs, and so that's how I connected with the character. So, I want to ask you, Roman, um, how do you feel? Is it, is it important to you that you're on a show that when they're in Mexico, when, when Mexicans are speaking to each other, they're actually using the native Spanish and using subtitles as opposed to having them speak in English for the audience? Is that important to you, or is that something you even think about? You know, um, actually, I think, it, I think it is important. It makes it realistic. Um, you know, the rest of the world watches in subtitles. It's, you know, it's really here where, where a lot of things are, are 
made you know are done in English, even though. And I, and then what I love about it is that the the Spanish they speak there is exactly the way they they speak there, you know. Um, and it's I think it's important because it really shows a culture and how they are and the way they they interact. You know, I believe a lot of actors they bring something extra when they can speak sort of in their native tongue. And that's what I really liked about the show is they really want to show it the way it is. It's something interesting you mentioned about the way that they, they talk, how they talk as if they were in Juarez, Mexico. Because my wife, uh, she's, a, she's a waitress, and all the kitchen workers are from El Salvador. And uh, she went, she speaks fluent Spanish. So she speaks Spanish with them all the time. And there's times at home where she'll speak in Spanish not realizing that she's speaking Spanish to me. Mm-hmm. And um, she has watched the show with me, and she said, "You know what? They speak just like the guys at my restaurant do. You know, because they're." She's like, "She's like they didn't say exactly what was up on the screen. They used like, they said an abbreviated version of what's on the screen." So I found that interesting that they are using slang, but they're showing us in subtitles the full-on English. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's funny sometimes because sometimes. It's just like in certain languages, it's funnier in certain languages than it is in in, in another. Just the way they, the slang that they use, and um, but you know they're they're pretty right on on what the characters are saying, you know. And it's just I'm just it's done really well. I think it's important for the reality for the the true to life. Okay, I'm embarrassed to say this. I took four years of Spanish. About the only thing I can remember is El Coche es Rojo. So, <laughs> it's important. <laughs> you know, I, I can remember when I hear it, I can put it together. I, my degrees in special education for the deaf. So the interpreting part of it where, like Jamie's wife Janine said, that that's not what they said, but they talked more in slang. It's the same with sign language when you're interpreting if i were to interpret exactly what they said what they signed y'all would look at me like i was kind of a little crazy so i want to know because i'm a huge lyle lovett fan what's it like to work around lovett oh you know he is he's such a calm man he's got no ego at all he's he'll say hi to you before you say hi to him uh he's he's just you think he's such a an icon, and he'll see. He doesn't complain. He'll sit. He'll watch. He's just. It's really interesting to watch him work, and the the scenes that I have with him, he's so professional. Everything is always on point. It was all his lines, and I'm like, wow. This. And then he'll take off and go and do a concert somewhere else in the in the country, and I think, wow. This this man works hard, but he still has you know, the, the, the work ethic to make sure that his work is prepared when, when it's time to do it. Now, Ed got to get his, his, his uh, description of his uh, cast member that he, he's a big fan of. Now, I, I've kind of always had a kind of a crush on Diane Kruger. The, um, the movies that she did with uh, Jack, not, not Jack Nicholson, Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Yeah, uh, the... I can't remember the name of them now. They're 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 slipping my mind. But I've been I've always had a big crush on her since then. No national treasure. National treasure. That's it. Um, have you had a chance to meet her? What's she like in person? You know, it. 
because I'm on the other side of the storyline, I don't have many scenes with her, but the scenes that I do have, it's really, it's, she's such a professional. She's a complete sweetheart. Like the, another person that has no ego. Like in this whole cast, there isn't any egos. Everybody's there. The crew is amazing. And they just, they, it's just people that really love what they're doing. They really love just telling a story and telling it well. And she's very engaged with what her character does. And she, you know, comes and she's another person that comes up and says hi. And she, there's no handshakes with her. She comes and she gives you a big hug. Like she, she was your best, best friend for 20 years. Okay, you work a lot with Franca Potente, who plays Eleanor. She scares the bejeebus out of me. Is she, <laughs> how does, I'm sure you can't answer this, but like, is she that dark when she's on set, like preparing to go film her scenes? Like, the woman's crazy, dude. She is so good. It is so, it, it's been an honor working with her and... You know, she is completely another very sweet person. I mean, she will always ask about myself, you know, um, and she'll ask how I'm doing. And we talked about, you know, families and, and, and she'll share about her sort of journey to where she got and, and you know, and we'll talk about the work. Uh, but she's completely not like that character, which is just kind of gives credit to her, you know, to her craft. But uh, she puts in a lot of work, and you know, on set, everything has to make sense, you know, from the hair to what she's wearing to everything has to match this, you know, the, the truth of her character. And I really respect her for that. I gotta ask about the tattoos. I was just going there. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that something that she has to sit in makeup for a, a certain number of hours to have applied, or is that something they do? digitally afterwards where do they come from um she has some herself but they're not the the, the you know, demonic ones that are on the show but um she does have to have them put on every time they're not put on digitally she actually has them on um but i'm not quite sure how long it takes her to do it hey right. if you could pull one trait from franca Lyle and Diane, Diane to add to your skill set as an actor. Which one trait would you pull from them? Uh, each one something different. Um, Franca has this, you know, it, it's a crazy business, and she has a real good sort of uh, hold on what's important, which is family and everything else. Uh, and the work, she loves the work. She really, you know, respects it and stuff. But she does it. It's not everything. Like a lot of actors, is just this is what it is. I have to do this, and everything else gets pushed to the side. She has, she's able to balance everything very well. Uh, from from Lyle, just how humble he is. He really is, you know, just a real genuine guy. And uh, and Diane is just. It's her. It's her. Her truth. She is. She doesn't hide anything from you. She really is like when she hugs you, or she comes and says hi, or asks about how you are, and she's just really, really genuine, and she remembers. 
So I have a horrible memory. <laughs> so that would be the trade. She remembers things. We just actually got a question from the chat room um, from a, I'm probably going to pronounce this correct, incorrectly, Ferrison. Uh, the question is, how similar is your character Jaime on the bridge to Oswaldo that you played in the Garcia Girls? You know, there, there's Oswaldo had a different sort of mental disability. Uh, Oswaldo was completely mute. Jaime talks. Uh, one was born that way. The other one was was created. Um, and you'll see in this upcoming episode, which is tomorrow, um, as well as this, as the ones that follow, uh, you'll start to see more colors in him. Um, the one thing difficulty I had as an actor was to make sure that they were different. You know, that it was, because when I first started this, it was just an episode deal. It was just two scenes, and I think it was episode three, and and that was it. And then they contacted me to come back and, and do more. So that gave me more opportunities to add more layers and to add more things. Um, so the, the challenge was to make them different, you know, because I think one of the greatest uh, things I've ever heard about one of the best actors that is Meryl Streep, is that if you put all her characters that she's ever played inside a room, they don't know each other. There's no similarities. They're completely different people. So that's what I try to strive for that level to try to make them different, but still realistic in their and you know in who they are in their situation. So you don't want to get pigeonholed because I'm a big reality TV fan. So you know there was. One of the housewives from Bravo who was on two shows. And I just kept saying, like, she's not an actress. She's the housewife just under a different name. Like, the personality, the mannerisms, none of it changed. She was just the housewife reading lines or regurgitating lines. So, and I think we have a lot of actors out there that we see them in different roles and it's just the same person i completely agree i i think that especially some of the name actors um they get i think they get lazy or sort of content because they've been doing it for so long and it's not really that they just they play themselves and everything that they do um but i i completely agree with you i think that sometimes they may not even know how to just to differentiate themselves or take themselves out of it, and maybe that's just their method. They just they just play themselves and just real to the situation. So, since we're talking about this, you're a pretty young actor, and what would you tell kids today who want to get into this deep dark line of employment? What would you tell them? to work on, who to study, and how to build their skill as an actor? I would say the number one thing you got to have is persistence. Um, there's You're going to hit a lot of walls. You're going to hear a thousand no's before you hear a yes. And that yes is going to make it worth it. You're going to learn something from each yes that you get. And you even learn stuff from the no's. Um, the one thing is, it's it's acting. It's a craft. It's like anything else. You've, you've got to study and you've got to respect it. And as you inquire, you learn about it. 
you know, um, I, you'll you'll start to see that you're actually more capable of things than you thought you were. You know, um, like you were mentioning about Oswaldo and mentioning about about uh, Jaime. Um, I, you know, I've also in, in the Valley of Ella, which was with Tommy Lee Jones. I, I played a, a murder suspect. I was a soldier in that in that one. I've, and the, you know, I've, in the Shield, I was a, I, I was a gangster. And you know, I've, it's these different sort of roles. And I've been very fortunate to be able to, to, to find the right teacher. My, um, I found my teacher fairly fairly young. I. You know, it's like everyone else when they're young, they think they're like God's gift to this craft so they can go into any audition and book it. Um, and what I noticed was I would do really well because I knew I had somewhat of a talent is I would do really well one time and then not do well on the callback or not do good on the third callback. And it wasn't hitting every time. So I went out and I just kind of looked at all these different acting teachers and audited their classes. And there was a lot of really good ones, but I found the one that sort of fed my belief for what a character should be, and I was just blown away. Uh, the, the teacher is Arthur Mendoza, um, and he was a protege of uh, Stella Adler. And I watched his work, and it was really about a lot of it. It's sort of you know I took his class and I studied for him for probably about ten, ten years. Uh, and then he took a break from 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 teaching, and I, th I believe he's starting back again recently. Uh, but it's I learned so much, and I think the one thing that people forget is you gotta kind of do it for the right reasons. You gotta if you have a passion and a love for it, you that's that's really what you're gonna need to get through the hard times. Because you know, uh, like he always said, an actor acts. So whether it's a short film or or, or a big feature or, or or a small stage in your community theater, you know, just, just get out there and do it. Well, I believe Roman, that I... that's true in anything you want to do. Like I started TV Fishbowl two years ago and doors have opened for me and Jamie happened to be out here and we were up at an event in LA and then we went to Rob Cisternino's. He's another podcaster who was doing a show at the improv and we met your PR guy Michael and that's how we wound up coming up and it's there's never how do I like I there's a way I say it and I can't remember it right now but there's a door is not impossible to get through and open up it's just talking to people and I think as an actor if you go out and you kind of study people which I did for a long time when I, I worked at LAX for a very long time and I used to just sit and watch people and I think it's important to have that open mind and and learn from your experiences. And I think it would help in the acting situation, even though I'm now too old and decrepit to act. <laughs> never, never too old. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. A lot of it is it's just human watching. I, I do that too. I sit and I'll just watch people. Something will catch my eye about some the way somebody dresses or looks or has their hair or is talking. And I say, oh, that's interesting. And I'll just see if I can mimic it, and then keep, and I'll sort of put it in the bank to when you need it. Right. I I think the thing that hit home with me that you you said was that you're going to hear a thousand no's before you hear a yes. And I've been in the podcasting game just one year less than Ed. And uh, for my my personal podcast, I've done a lot of 
letters to agents to to ask to interview actors for the show that I cover. And out of maybe a hundred letters I've sent out, I've only had like two yeses. And that just really hit home with me because that's just how it is in the entertainment business. And for anyone who wants to get into it, you just have to know that you just got to be persistent. And one day something will come through for you. I have one other question I wanted to ask you because you sounded so passionate about the craft of acting. If you could have your druthers and you could play any role that you wanted, what role would that be? Any role? Um, Can you make one up? You, you, you know, you know, you know who I would always I would love to play, but I know that that um, would be Lenny from from Vice uh, Men. Um, oh. That would be one I would. I, I've always, when I read for the first read the book in high school, I was like, "Wow, this is me. This I like this character," and I think that's why I sort of, you know, uh, studied that those that kind of character um, and have, and have done, you know, have played these these kind of characters on on TV and film. Um, but that's the one character that I've always, if you know, I've, I've always wanted to play. See. Now, I have to ask this because I run into this all the time. And you're an 80s kid. But if you read Mice and Men, then I'm pretty sure that you've run, read Don Quixote. Yes. Do you know how many people... It happens to be the name of the street I live on. And they're like, well, how do you spell that? I'm like, like the character, Don Quixote, like the, the book, the play. I've never read it. I've never heard of it. Oh, no. Wow. And even people <laughs> my age. And I'm like, that was a requirement when we were in school that was an english requirement so you said you have to keep trying and if you can't keep trying or you keep getting the nose why don't they do what you do i understand that you just started a studio production company or yes i you know um one of the things is that um i was i had had a group of friends that are in the business that are a director and a writer and stuff and we sort of had lunch one day and we said why don't we just do our own thing so we can tell our own stories and sort of tell the stories that sort of move us you know instead of waiting and hoping for someone to create it why don't we just do it ourselves and you know even sitting talking with you know with uh the actors like you know uh Annabeth uh, Gish and, and, and Franca and, and, you know, and the other actors on the show, uh, they all have the same concept. They all said, you know, and they've been in the business for forever. And their whole thing is, you know, it's important that we tell our own stories, that we, you know, that we sort of put on that other hat, you know, and give the opportunities to others and to ourselves, you know, that and sort of share uh, with the world. So we got together and we started this, you know, this this production company to to, to do just that. We started with just a short film called um, A Dead Hand, which is this sort of like dark comedy of, of this this night that happens uh, with the serial killer that's running around and just a group of friends and they're all characters and they're played by brilliant actors. Um, and then uh, once that's in post production, and then uh, we ran across a story from. Uh, football player that actually played at my high school. I went to Hawthorne High School. And he, I've heard about him when I was there, but he was maybe several years before I, I you know, I got there. But he actually took them to to um, 
to the state championships and won it. Um, him and the, his team. And uh, about a year, about a little over a year ago, he he died. And he died of cancer, and I got to hear from his friends and everything about his story. And one of the other uh, owners of the of the production company knew him personally, and his story was just so good to not be told. It was, it was so inspiring that even in your darkest time, he cared about the others. He didn't. He made it easier. He knew he was going to die, but he made it easier. For everyone else to be able to deal with it and not put his own sort of anger and stuff in the way i think that's an important jamie's gonna have to bail here in a minute so let's get his questions he's got to go take care of a family situation so let's get his last questions and then i have one more question coming out of the the chat room yeah, I just wanted to know, Roman, if if you could pick any director in Hollywood that you would want to work with, who would that be? It, definitely the man that started it all, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Uh, E.T. phone home. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, would, I would tell him, you know, you're you're the reason why I wanted to do this. And if I could work with an actor, it would definitely be Pacino. And I would tell him, you're the reason why I wanted you're the reason why i love the craft you know you're the reason why i studied because i wanted to understand it and do it as well as you do it well roman i i want to thank you for taking the time to come on i'm sorry but i have i have to leave i have to i have a 14 year old daughter and i have to take her somewhere no um, worries <laughs> but it was it was wonderful talking to you and i think ed's going to finish up talking to you he has a few more questions to ask you but thanks for coming on and it was great to meet you Great to talk to you, and I hope maybe we get a chance to talk to you again sometime. Absolutely. Take care. Yeah, next Bye-bye. time you're in L.A., we'll go out for drinks with Roman. Yes. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to. So but, you brought up a, a an important – not, not important, but an interesting thing about going out and doing it yourself. You know, you start at your own studio, which I think is ACTA. Yes, A-C-T-A. So – what do you feel, how do you feel that new media or electronic media as we're called or new media, how do you think that has changed the entertainment industry? Like you have people who, the kid from um, Hollywood Hillbillies who was a YouTube star and now has got his own show. How do you think YouTube and, and podcasting and these entertainment sites have changed the entertainment industry? You know, I, I think it's very interesting. I actually think it's a good thing. I think that, um, you know, Hollywood for a long while was, even now a little bit, sort of ran out of stories. And they just kept bringing back old stuff, you know, that worked back then. And there was nothing new and nothing creative going on for a while, you know. Um, and I think people just got out and it's so simple now. You can get you can do it with your iPhone. You can make a movie with your iPhone if you wanted to now. And they can go out and do exactly that. Just go out and tell their original stories or, or do something that they love to do. And, and people like that. People like this. This is something different. Oh, this is cool. I've never seen this before. Oh, you got to, you know, I enjoy listening to this person sing because, you know, that's how Justin Bieber came about. You know, and and I think it's a great, it's a sort of a great form to discover new talent and to elevate uh, the business itself. 
No, I think they're. It's also a doorway. I agree with everything you're saying, and it's also a doorway for people who maybe can't come out to LA and bang on the doors, and to get their skill, their their project out there. Now, with your studio, are you guys open to pitches from people who have something they want to do? No, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that the one, the one thing we're always looking for, no matter where where it comes from, is you know just good ideas, good stories. Um, you know, sometimes you know we, we'll get pitches from just you, you'll be surprised, you know, from the unlikeliest places, from you know someone valeting in a car, right. and it it doesn't matter the source; it matters the quality of it, and and that and then you know you sort of take into it and say okay how can we tell this where can we go with this and you know because it is in the end it is it is a business and you do you know you do want to do it well um i'm still um what do you call it i'm always learning even in, in acting i've been doing it for a lot of years um i never i'm never content with saying okay i know enough i don't have to learn anymore so I'm, I love the, the producing side of it. It really is. It's like a whole new adventure on a different side of the camera. So, uh, yes, I'm, I'm always open, just like for suggestions with, you know, acting or with scenes or characters or movies. I'm always open to opinions. Well, that's, I'm 50, so soon to be 51 here. Well, not till February. But anyway, my whole life has been, I've always managed to land on my feet. I was with American Airlines until 9-11, and then, you know, my world has completely changed in these 13 years. But I think one of the things that happens with us is just as humans is we get stagnant and we do the same thing every day. And, you know, I was forced to come out of my, my comfort zone and do something completely different. So you always have to have that open mind because if you don't, then you get old and you turn into that bitter old man or old lady and... You know, you're not open to new ideas and we would never have progressed as humans or a country or civil rights and as a world if we wouldn't have been open to new ideas. So Cherry Darling wants to, she has a two-part question. What is the hardest part of auditioning and have you ever had an audition that went very badly? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Um the hardest part of auditioning is not knowing. It's um, I, when I did when I did uh, Garcia Girls, I wanted to audition for the lead heartthrob, and I knew I wasn't right for the role. I completely knew it. But as I was there, I said, "Well, I'll go in and audition." And while I was there, I, I saw there was a role for Oswaldo, which was this, which was written very different, a little different than what I looked like. And I asked, you know, um, can I do it? And they said, yeah. they said, well, I guess you're here already. Um, so I did it, and I think like two months went by. I hadn't heard anything, and they called me in the middle of the night, and um, you know, and, and told me that you know they wanted me for the the film, and I would fly out three days later. And it's it's just it's never knowing, you know. Sometimes you put your heart into an audition, and you feel like, wow, why, was that, why wasn't I good enough? And it's learning that not to take it personally. Because sometimes it could just be the fact that they already have somebody there. It could be the fact that 
well, you know, you're playing opposite of somebody who's a little shorter than you. They need somebody about the same size. You know, it's just things that you have no control over, you know. And the most important thing is just to go in there and have fun. Um, in regards to bad auditions, oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've had my, 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 uh, my share. Um, and a lot of it was, like I said before, I didn't really know how to do it. Because learning how to act is different than learning how to audition. There are people that are famous that are really good at auditioning but don't know how to act. And it really is. There's two different techniques that you really do got to learn. Um, and for me, it was I would do really great in the audition, but I would not work the room. you know. Or I was so focused on the audition that I didn't acknowledge the people in the room. And I would walk out and say, wow, like I wouldn't want to spend three months with me. You know, on a set. <laughs> so I said, well, you know, and and but you learn from all your bad auditions. You learn that this is what I gotta learn. So I studied with Brian Reese, who was an excellent teacher here in LA, uh, on how to on the auditioning itself. You know, I and I feel like Arthur Mendoza gave me a lot of the skills and techniques on on the craft, on the acting, um, and Brian Reese gave me how to audition and putting them together and sort of putting it with my experience. Uh, has helped tremendously. Well, I think you brought up a pretty good point when you said you didn't look like Oswaldo. Because a lot of times, I'm and I'm smart enough, I think, to know that they develop these characters and they get an idea of what they should look like in the human life form. But you see some of these characters on a TV show or in a movie or whatever that they don't fit your perception of the character. Like, especially for me, when this came to light for me as a kid was reading the shining and Jack Nicholson nailed that crazy person. Like, oh, absolutely. Nailed it. So, you know, I've read a few books and in, in my lifetime and, and have seen movies on them. I'm like, yeah, that's not how I pictured that character, particularly the one that comes to, to mind right now is the hunger games like a few of the characters in the hunger games in the movie didn't match what i pictured while reading the books mm -hmm. so i think it you know it's part of it probably during an audition is trying to convince them to get out of their head of the idea of what the character looks like and what the character could be exactly it's just you go in there and do you you know, you go in there and go with what you prepare. And if they give you notes to alter things, then be open to alter things. But, um, you know, um, and sometimes they'll get into deep discussions, you know, uh, with you. When I did um, the audition with the, the callback for In the Valley of Ella, I had, you know, the award, the Oscar award winning writer, Paul Haggis, sitting there in the audition room. And we discussed for quite a bit on just characters. And why my perception of this character was different than what he wrote. I was like, who am I to talk to him about writing, you know, or character? I'm, I'm nobody. But I was so passionate in what I was saying, and I was had put so much work into it. It was became real to me that he respected that, you know. And you know, lo and behold, I had the honor to do that, and I worked with some great people. You know, Tommy got nominated. Nomin Tommy Lee Jones got nominated uh, for. Uh, lead actor for that film right and yeah and it was just it was complete blessing so if you could go back today and let's 
wrap this up because I don't want to take up too much of your time. But if you could go back to your 12 or 13 year old self, knowing what you know today, what one piece of advice would you give yourself? You're not God's gift to acting. <laughs> you really need to study it, uh, understand it and respect it because it's not just saying lines on in front of a camera. Um, it's understanding why they need to be said, you know, um, and what comes from behind it. Because, you know, I, I've learned that, especially with, with this role in, in the bridge, it's about everything that's not being said. You know, I he doesn't speak much in this, you know, uh, in this show. Right. But he has, there's so much going on with him. And you have to, the audience has to go on that journey with you. And you have to do it without overdoing it, without, you know, saying, hey, he's sad right now. Hey, he's he's frustrated. You have to do it subtly. And it's like, and make it seem like it was, it, you know, it's easy to do, but it really is hard. But for me, that's that I would just say, you know, really study, study what you're doing and respect it for what it is. Well, yeah, because I think you came in, Jaime came in in episode two or three, and now you're back in what episode eight i think mm -hmm. and when you're jumping into the back of the old el camino which by the way i drove one of those when they were brand new <laughs> and my dad had one and he gave you i don't know what he gave you but you looked like that little kid when you put it up to your mouth and you look like that little kid who had just gotten the best thing in the world and you really are believable and I think part of that is because we kind of grew up in the same environments that we know those kind of kids. And, and it's, it's not only that, it's just, you know, that wasn't, if I remember, that wasn't even written in the script. They, I think on the spot, it was, they had the candy there. They're like, Hey, let's do something with the candy. So that ended up happening. And, and it sort of becomes his, you know, his sort of trademark uh, on, on the show. Um, but it's just, it's just that he's, it's being real to who he is, being simple, because this is the greatest thing in the world to him right now. This, he's, you know, he's always mistreated by everyone he's he's around, and here she comes back, and she's this monster, but he has no idea that she is, and she's offering him work and make, giving him a little bit of dignity and respect, and then on top of it, he gets candy. Oh wow, you know, it's it's great for him. Right, and, and this I, is the best day ever. That goes to the innocence and the darkness. Is he's probably more happy with the candy than he is actually with the money exactly so exactly any spoilers you can share with us that are coming up on the... <laughs> you know we you have an amazing episode tomorrow night it is it is for me it was uh one of the best experiences was shooting this next episode it's such this show is so good and i was a fan of it before i was on it um and it's really gone taking it to a different level this this season uh tomorrow's episode is just like it was mind-blowing it was it was talk it was talked about even on set uh what happens this next episode um and i wish i can say something you know <laughs> but but you definitely gotta watch and, and tune in but i promise you you're not gonna be disappointed does jaime kill somebody what come on <laughs> you gotta watch i'm sorry i wish i could say something I don't right, want to get so, in trouble. <laughs> well, yeah, I understand that too. But come on, you can email me personally. I promise I won't tell anybody where it came from. <laughs> so Dead Hand, when can we expect to see that out? Um, that will probably be out um, before the end of the year. 
Uh, the documentary we'll probably be reading of next. Cool. And then if people want to find you on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Oh, yeah, absolutely. On Twitter, it's uh, Roman underscore Arabia. Uh, Arabia is A-R-A-B as in boy, I-A. Um, and then um, on Instagram, it's Roman Arabia, all one word. And then just Roman Arabia on, on Facebook as well. And then anything else you have in in the works that you're not telling us about that we should look forward to? Well, I am actually, um, we finished the show probably a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had some, some surgery done. So it's the reason why I'm not doing the, the video check because I, I had some eye surgery done. Uh, so I've sort of taken a, 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 some time off. But I am, I have, before the surgery, I had some uh, auditions for some pretty good, interesting uh, projects. And I'm getting some good feedback, so we'll see what happens. And then your ACTA studio, if people want to send you their ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Studios at yahoo.com. Just go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Just go ahead and email whatever you want to do, or just to say hi. You know, we we always respond uh, to everything. And then... Does the Active Studios have a website up yet, ready to go for people? Or uh, no, we're actually we're 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 actually developing it now. We're getting everything. We wanted to start the website when we had material to put on there, so we have trailers that are that are done and ready to set. So we're actually having somebody build it. Very nice. Well, let me know when you have some trailers out, because I'll throw them up on TV Fishbowl, and we'll get y'all pimped out. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. So, any parting words to everybody listening out there? That you, well, you want to say I, to him? Well, first off, thank you for bearing with my, <laughs> bearing with me, um, and just whatever you do, regardless of what if you know it's it's acting or producing or directing, uh, the only person that has to believe in it is you. You know, regardless of what happens in your personal life, uh, whether you have kids or family or money and stuff, just believe in you, and I promise you, there's a rainbow. You know what I mean? There's gold at the end of that rainbow. There always is. I mean, that's one of my things is just do it because the only thing you're going to hear is no. And my philosophy has always been in life is there is no box. Everybody says things out, think out of the box. You're familiar with Palm Springs. I live, you know, I live in Palm Springs. I have a little wall around my patio. And beyond that is our great mountains. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I sit out on the patio and I just stare at those mountains and stare all the way down the Orange County coast practically because that's where I do a lot of my thinking. So they're, you're only limited by your own mind and your own ability to put yourself out there. Because if you don't put yourself out there, no one's going to come knock on your door. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you've you got to do that. You're, you don't want to scatter belief first. Otherwise, nobody will believe it if you don't. Right. And they'll, yeah, they'll be able to feel that and put yourself out there just keep knocking on the doors and it'll happen it always does all right well i want to thank everybody out there for listening and joining us with roman if you have any one last question get it in quick or otherwise we're gonna say good night and thanks for joining us oh thank you very much it's been it's been fun <laughs>